0: Freddie off here uh, and introduce the doctors are in the house. So we have this is Dr. Ron and my co-host Dr. Jerry Smith and we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Jaffe today. Let me just make sure that this is he and then uh, we'll get on with the program. Dr. Jaffe, is that you, sir?
1: This is me and I can hear you fine.
0: Oh, great. Okay, so we have some 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 work to do in a couple of minutes and then we'll get on. Sure. uh, With with uh, our interview. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. And I'm going to throw you a little curveball because I happened to catch you yesterday okay. talking about aspirin. So we're going to start out with aspirin. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, absolutely. Th- thank you for tuning in today. Uh, this is not our normal time, but so we will play this again for you at, at, at our normal scheduled time on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. But you can never not listen to Dr. Jaffe. Uh, He's been on before. He's been really well-received. He's a wealth of knowledge. He just just knows a lot about everything. So, ladies and gentlemen, as I usually say, have an attitude of gratitude every day of your life because actually an attitude of gratitude can make you happier and healthier. This program contains general medical information. The medical information heard on this program is not advice and should not be treated as such. The information is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You should never delay seeking medical advice, disregard medical advice, or discontinue medical treatment because of information heard on this program. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this program with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to thank everybody uh, that listened in dr nye last night a wealth of information from that gentleman uh, i learned a lot uh, from our conversation and hope to follow up uh, with him to uh, learn more about the, the the matrix and the and the mushrooms uh ladies and gentlemen uh today we have we have dr russell jaffe as, as our guest and uh, dr jaffe has an md degree he has a phd degree he he's uh I think his PhD is in chemistry and his medical degree is internal medicine pathology and pathology. Uh, he started out as I understand it as a traditional disease pill for every ill doctor. Uh, but then uh, as most of us in this field of alternative, or I like to call it comprehensive medical care, uh, our, we, we started on a different journey and had to reeducate ourselves all over again. Uh Dr. Jaffe I indeed did do that, and uh, he started uh, companies and groups, and he has a, the PERC, P-E-R-Q-U-E, Integrative Health Company. And we'll, we will talk to him more about that. But, you know, the reason why we're in, in this and why we devote the time to this is because, you know, people go to their doctor and, uh, you know, what the, the doctor says, you know what? You feel good, your physical examination and your routine blood tests are normal, so you're healthy. But really, what is health? You know, what is disease? Where? And our young doctors today are really not instructed on how to do a health examination and what is really health. Hmm. And and our opinion here at at, um, Block Talk Radio is that, you know, there are vested interests that are placed, in, we, that have replaced the best interests of patients and we have flawed guidelines that our cl- clinicians are following and there's some lack of systemic transparency which which i mean that which means regarding the funding uh, impact and outcomes of, of of studies so there's a lot of pollution there and so uh, you know i guess they would say you're sick but you just don't know it so just just with that little introduction uh i want to uh, say hello to dr jerry smith and then we'll have dr jaffe uh, we're going to talk we our original plan was to talk about and we will get to to that the five uh strategies to, to protect your health but uh, dr jaffe has some interesting comments on aspirin and we'll start with that so dr dr jerry smith uh, good morning sir
2: no i'm wide awake and thanks for that wonderful introduction and i'm looking forward to uh i always learn something from dr jaffe he has a like you said a a cornucopia full of knowledge.
0: Well, Dr. Jaffe, you're you're you are up, sir. Why don't uh introduce yourself a little bit to our audience, tell them how they can reach you and 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 your website and uh and maybe we'll have a little discussion. No, we will have a discussion about aspirin.
1: Oh <clears throat> absolutely. So I was trained in conventional internal medicine and biochemistry at Boston University. I then matriculated to the National Institutes of Health, where I did residency in clinical laboratory pathology and chemistry, developed a novel method every year I was in government service, most of which have remained the reference standard of their kind to this day. And along the way, um, I came in contact with what's called the aspirin tolerance test, And there are some people, of which my family is one, there are some people who they bleed and they stop bleeding just fine if they don't take aspirin. But if they take aspirin, in the common proverbial term, they bleed like a stuck pig.
2: Hmm.
1: Then there's the issue of does an aspirin a day, and more specifically an 87-milligram baby aspirin, have protective effects in regard to cardiovascular health. And Dr. John Vane made a whole career with the help of Bayer, Bayer, um, on the premise that you could select out one specific, what's called prostaglandin, but it's just a very powerful molecule. You could select out and inhibit one without inhibiting the others, because the others are absolutely essential for vitality. So the first premise is, does a baby aspirin selectively knock out what's called PGX or PGI for anyone who's very technical? And the answer is no, because there is huge human variability in regard to how the process called acetylation, which is how aspirin works, uh, people have very different responses. And we know with 100% surety that when you take aspirin, you increase blood loss in the gut. In fact, there's an occult blood test that's based on increased blood loss from the gut where they say on the side of the box, do not take an aspirin because it'll cause a false positive test. And actually they then cite an article that I published in the Annals of Internal Medicine way back in about 1974. Um, so I'm very familiar with aspirin and my conclusion is taken on a day. In this day and time, where we do know how to promote repair and therefore reduce discomfort naturally, it is much safer to follow that path than to, quote, pop an aspirin or an NSAID, for that matter. And so, Dr. Jaffe, what are your options for our listeners? Well, the options are the following. Most Americans, those at risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke, of which there is about 150 million, so it's a big population, they're almost universally low in the essential nutrients, low in ascorbate known as vitamin C, low in vitamin D, low in um, B-complex, low in magnesium and potassium at the cellular level, really marginal to deficient, chronically marginal to deficient, partly because of changes in diet, partly because of changes in stress and environment. And there's a lot of um, components that add up to what's called the oxidative stress or the allostatic homeostatic load, if you want to be a little fancier. But it has to do with the fact that, as my grandmother used to say, the rents are going up and the ceilings are coming down. And what that means in practical terms is the the nutrient density of the soil and therefore the food, the quality of the air and water is dramatically more stressful on the human organism than it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Of that, there's no question. The implications for good health, and you're quite right, the absence of disease is the midpoint. What we want is Youthful vitality, what we want is to evoke our healing responses so consistently that we don't feel or function with chronic ill health, which too many people do. And when we look for a solution in a prescription, we've usually jumped over the nature-nurture-wholeness, we've usually jumped over the functional and predictive biomarker tests that we do recommend and then interpret to their best outcome goal value because we really have accumulated quite a bit of science about how to get quality standardized natural products to evoke healing responses by correcting essential deficiencies. Now essential is a word that means you can't make it. You got to take it in from the outside. And that includes the vitamins, and the minerals, the cofactors, and there's a family of them. We have, as you know, a super multi that has 40 constituents in meaningful amounts because you need all of them, and we've had it out since 1987. We've done a double-blind placebo-controlled trial because I knew some wag would say, did you do that? And we did, (laughs) and we did it at the military medical school with the help of a colleague uh, who's a co-author on the study. So we've done the best to take the scientific method that I learned, but very conventional scientific method that I learned, and apply it to the science of nature, nurture, and wholeness so that people can eat foods that they can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden, that they can have neurohormonal balance, restorative sleep, a good ATP to ADP ratio, which means you've got reserved energy in your cells. And I think that is what everyone deserves, can attain in almost all cases. However, it means intensive supplementation to go along with a whole foods-based diet.
0: Very, very, very interesting. Um, So the uh, alternatives would be a vitamin-mineral supplement, uh, food grade or... Uh, well, let me, any...
1: let, me, let, me be, let me be more specific and more helpful. Number one, you do what's called a C-Cleanse, capital C, and then the word cleanse. And if you look that up online, you'll find details and instructions. But you basically find out how much oxidative burden your body has based on how much antioxidant protection, ascorbate, is needed for you to cleanse. Now, the cleanse is a very distinctive experience. It's kind of like an enema from within. It leaves most people feeling much better. It's the next generation after bowel tolerance, if folks are familiar with that. So the C yes. cleanse is where you start. Then you add polyphenolic, specifically and dihydrate and soluble OPC. We have that available as Perk repair guard and as Perk pain guard. Uh, then you look at the urine pH after rest. And if it's below 6.5, which it often is, that means a lack of magnesium mineral in the cell. And we have a unique and patented combination of Perk Mag Plus Guard and PERC Choline Citrate that enhance the uptake and chaperone delivery of the magnesium to the cells that are hungry for it. And this has been something people have been looking for for decades. Because magnesium is very important, it balances calcium, it activates ATP, it does a lot of good things, it protects essential fats when they're in transit. However, it's been notoriously difficult to get above 30% bioavailability. Then if you increase the dose of magnesium, the person gets hypermotility and runs to the bathroom and runs away from you. We have, for a number of years, been offering the combination of Plus card and perk Choline Citrate to enhance the uptake and then beneficially chaperone the magnesium to the cells that are needing it, whereas almost all other forms, the magnesium tends to run out in urine, sweat, and stool as fast as it comes in.
2: Yeah. Dr. Jaffe, I have one uh, question for you. Uh, we know that it's primarily intracellularly within the cell. Uh, what mm. test do you recommend to assess that? since a blood test
1: would really not be accurate. Well, I I learned, as you just said, that the blood test is not accurate. It turns out that Ron Lee, my colleague, about 15 years ago, published what's called CLMD, Chronic Latent Magnesium Deficiency, and that's defined as being in the lower half of the serum range for magnesium. And sufficiency, adequate cellular magnesium, is correlated with being in the upper half of the serum magnesium range. And I can tell you something that is, quote, hot off the presses, if you will. That is, in a hypertension trial that we participated in, 100% of the people with high blood pressure had magnesium in the lower half of serum range to begin with, and those who had the most reduction with the enhanced magnesium formulation Uh, went into the upper half of the serum range. There have been several articles, including on young college students, that validate Ron's premise of CLMD, chronic latent magnesium deficiency. So I think for the first time in a long time, we actually do have a generally and easily available test that distinguishes need, being in the lower half of the serum range, from being sufficient, which is in the upper half of the serum range. And I'll just add, because people almost always are concerned, if you take more magnesium, could you go over the range? And the answer is, if you have kidneys, no. It's a water-soluble mineral regulated by your kidneys. If you're on dialysis or if you are going to have a kidney transplant, then we'll have a different discussion. But if you have kidney function and are ambulatory, you don't have to worry about too much magnesium. In fact, the opposite is true. Most Americans are chronically deficient.
2: Good to know. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. really good. And well, again, this, Dr. This Dr. Jaffe. this
1: is news. Right. Yeah, this is it is really, really news. great news and, and I'm glad and to it share it with you. And I'm I'm glad that you give me the chance to mention that I came as a skeptic. I didn't come as a quote believer. Uh, I went to be skeptical about acupuncture and did a complete apprenticeship with Queen Wu here in Washington, D.C. I was skeptical about yoga, became a student of Dr. Ramamurthy Mishra, probably his worst Sanskrit student, but uh, he was a great (laughs) mentor and and, and, and very kind to me. Um, And then Bhante Dharmawara, who was my mindfulness mentor. Uh, a Cambodian Buddhist who m- m- didn't know many people, but he knew the right people, including President Eisenhower and John Foster <laughs> Dulles. But that's another yeah. story for another time. Yeah.
0: Well, doc- Dr. Jerry now is studying with uh, Dr. Stanley Nye and, and learning uh, a, uh, from a 23rd uh, generation, uh, right. generation uh, from China Qi- So uh,
2: mm-hmm. we're, right.
0: for Qigong. So we're, we're traveling mm-hmm. down these paths.
1: Yes, yes. Well, I like what you you say. In the past, a back to the future approach is often very applicable today. Uh, Making use of traditional wisdom, whether it comes from the mountains or the seas, to me makes a lot of sense. And you don't have to give up your common sense to understand the difference between evidence and and um, mystery.
2: Yeah, but Dr. Jeff, you have a, a curveball I want to throw you. In my sure. clinical experience, I find that strict vegetarians usually have the worst health issues. Uh, and I don't know if that's been your experience, or could you comment on, well, on that? I'm, I'm
1: happy to, yes, I'm happy to comment on that because one of the, quote, clearly better dietary choices is called the Mediterranean diet, and more specifically the Greek Mediterranean diet. Um, But the Greek Mediterranean diet is not exclusively plant-based, but it is largely plant-based with locally grown healthy plants that nourish you in many, many ways. I think today that many people become vegetarian in a way that does not transition their digestion, which takes time. Changing your prebiotics, probiotics, symbiotics takes time. Most people make a decision based on uh, an intellect or a philosophical decision that it's better to be a vegetarian or vegan. I want to know what your body is used to digesting, assimilating, and eliminating. I want to know if there's any maldigestion, which many people do have, and I want that corrected. If you have immune burdens and you've lost tolerance and you have delayed allergies, Well, that could set you up for all sorts of chronic autoimmune self-attack, chronic uh, repair deficit inflammation conditions, which are all too common today. Um, And we do know how to evoke human healing responses. Uh, Although it's a makeover in your kitchen, it's a makeover in in your sleep patterns, it's a makeover in your attitude. Uh, And I do like your uh, phrase about an attitude of gratitude. Uh, So... um, these are very exciting times to apply the evidence and evoke healing responses.
0: Well, Dr. Jaffe, so I, I, I just like hearing your common sense approach to uh, problems. And uh, the, Dr. Jerry and I, for the last years now, just talked about inflammation and chronic inflammation being the basis of uh, of most diseases. So... Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about the the triggers that you you mentioned in your ebook the hidden sure. inflammatory triggers and and how how we can test for them and modify them?
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, first, I want to change your understanding of the word. Inflammation is a word that comes out of my pathology colleagues, but it really means repair deficit. Now, inflammation is taught as a fire to be fought and suppressed because of all the Latin, you know, mumbo-jumbo that goes with it. And I'm saying it's a repair deficit to be corrected, and you correct it in the ways we're talking about. Correcting the ascorbate, the mother antioxidant that sets the cell chemistry potential, that sacrifices itself, ascorbate sacrifices itself, so that all the other antioxidants can be regenerated or restored or synthesized. So these are very fundamental processes that change a person from highly at risk to resilient, so their innate immune system can get in and repair from daily wear and tear, and then uh, eliminate any of the abnormal cells that do form, and we have natural killer and cytotoxic T cells to do that, but only when they have enough ascorbate, when they have enough magnesium, when they have enough polyphenolics, when they have enough B-complex to keep your urine sunshine yellow, So inflammation is really repair deficit. Measuring degree of inflammation, I think, is best done with the HSCRP, the high-sensitivity version CRP. It's very important to know the lower end of that range, which is where the HSCRP test that Ridker and Rafai developed is clearly superior. So you want the high-sensitivity CRP, the HSCRP, and a healthy person will be below 0.5. Healthy person will be below .5. Above .5, says repair deficit, inflammation. Bring in the repair molecules. Don't bring in the NSAIDs or aspirin to suppress uh, the swelling or the discomfort. Okay. So,
0: uh, what? It, so, if you are, if you have a high C-reactive, uh, high sensitivity C-reactive protein. Uh, mm-hmm. That indicates that you have something, you have a repair issue, something has, is happening in your body. And, right. and how do you find out what that is?
1: Well, in most cases, it means that because of digestive issues, you have lost tolerance and your immune system is now on too much defensive alert. And it's not repairing you from daily wear and tear. And when that begins to accumulate, when that repair deficit accumulates, it's all the signs and symptoms of inflammation, which are what you folks talk about correctly, and they are signs of ill health, not good health, and they're correctable when you get enough of the good things in and you get the oxidative stressors, the toxic matter, reduced. It doesn't have to go to zero you know, we, we've survived in a toxic environment for a while, although it's much more intoxicating today than it's ever been. Um, and you can deal with it if you increase the essential nutrients, the vitamins, minerals, cofactors, et cetera, increase the fiber, the, the probiotics and the symbiotics to make your microbiome and digestion friendly and healthier. Um, then your metabolism starts to enhance detoxification so you get the bad stuff out more easily in urine, stool, and sweat and now your innate immune system is able to repair and the test is called LRA lymphocyte response assay LRA by Eliza ACT the website is ELISAACT.com ELISAACT.com and the LRA tests are available with an interpretation because there's a questionnaire that comes along with the blood And the interpretation says substitute these items because they are burdening your immune system and breaking tolerance, making you intolerant, which my grandmother would tell you you don't want to be intolerant, you want to be tolerant. (laughs) Um, And we want to restore tolerance, and it takes about six months to repair. And very often people need a second six-month cycle. Why? Because on day one, they're not perfect, and they're not perfectly repaired. But you do show over time, as we have in community-based outcome studies, that you can restore tolerance, that you can restore all of the fundamentals of repair, which means whatever your chronological age, your functional age can be much younger. I can tell you that when Bhante was 106, 106, he was functioning as a 40-year-old. I can tell you that I am functioning by most indices at half my current age, which puts me functionally in the late thirties, early forties. And if, if I can come back in 10 or 20 years and tell you that I've you know, been able to maintain this, which I plan to do, uh, you know, it'll be a, a, a personal face on the opportunity to evoke human healing responses responsibly. A
2: quick Excellent. question I, for you. Yeah. Um, two, two, clinical issues that i come across with the gut since you brought that up one is glyphosate uh, the roundup pesticide it's like right. ubiquitous in our society i mean high 90 percent bracket everyone has it and the other one is the emfs that are bombarding us from every which way uh, it, it's documented to disrupt the microbiome so could you comment on those two issues
1: Well, glyphosate is indeed a a topic of our time, and as you correctly say, for most Americans, it's ubiquitous. I can tell you it is absent from my home and diet by choice for the simple reason that the only things we eat are whole foods, lots of different whole foods, but only whole foods, and all of them are either homegrown, organic, or biodynamic, which translates into glyphosate-free. So would I recommend people be glyphosate-free? I do. Do I live a life that is largely glyphosate-free? Yes. Um, I think that it is a, uh, an issue that Stephanie Sennett and others have raised at a very high level. It's being debated in policy circles all over the world. Lots of misinformation, lots of disinformation, lots of hysteria, but that's not uncommon until you have enough science, which we don't yet, Although, out of an excess of caution, what I have chosen to do is be glyphosate-free, and I think that um, part of the reason that I feel and function function better is that we don't have processed foods, we don't have grains that have glyphosate, we don't have packaged goods that have glyphosate, um, we don't even have toothpaste that has glyphosate. I was surprised to find that there's actually glyphosate in in most uh, toothpaste. Um, so well, you're quite right. If you're following the conventional model, then you're going to be exposed to glyphosate, and your digestion is going to be uh, hampered because of that. Um, if you want to go on to the EMF question, or we can talk a little bit more about glyphosate.
2: Yeah, the EMF is, uh, I, I think, okay. something now that people EMF, don't take to the, heart. The, yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> there is a. Um, an online uh, journal called Electromagnetic News. It's been out, been it's been in publication for decades. It comes out of the BEMS, the Bioelectromagnetic Society, that was founded by Ross 80 in the 70s. He was a, an engineer of world renown, and he's the one who first discovered that if you put a cell phone up to the ear of a bunny rabbit and then looked at the calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, it was altered by the cell phone. Today, um, I think the question today is, more: what do you do in light of the fact that we're going to be bathed in these electromagnetic waves, invisible though they are, much of the time? Now, I can tell you that if you want, you can take them out of your bedroom I have a network at my R&D center, which is where I live, but I can tell you that there's a door, and behind that door is another door, and behind that is a bedroom where it's very quiet at night, very dark at night. There are no devices allowed in by choice, and because of the way my little network is set up here, the electromagnetic signals do not get back to there. So I sleep in an EMF-free zone, as did Ross Ady, who did the pioneering work that I learned about many decades ago. Um, There has been a lot of effort to reduce the available research in the area of non-ionizing electromagnetic rays. I can tell you my personal view is that there are certain parts of the spectrum where we're quite um, uh, transparent, that is, there's no effect of those waves. But then there are certain waves, for example, the microwaves that boil water. <laughs> there's, it, I don't think it's true anymore, but there used to be a sign on every microwave, at least in hospitals, that said, if you have a pacemaker, don't use the microwave. And then you would read a little disclaimer that says, n- no electromagnetic radiation gets out of this microwave. Well, then how come the pacemaker stopped working <clears throat> When the person just walked by, you know, there were things like that, that kind of need to be investigated. So um, we're just at the beginning. We're just at the beginning of understanding Uh, again, out of an excess of caution, my attitude is optimize the good stuff. And um, that includes mostly about what you eat, drink, think, and do optimize the good stuff and let the experts take care of the rest.
2: Well, one little uh, pro I want to share with you, I was doing some research because my uh, girlfriend got some hearing aids about six, seven months ago. The uh, Bluetooth on these hearing aids, because you can operate them from your cell phone app, uh, you know, gives off 2.4 gigahertz. And that's the same frequency yep. that microwaves use to boil water. So you're literally frying your brain with your hearing aid.
1: Well, not all hearing aids have that Bluetooth and When my dad needed hearing aids, we got him those without the Bluetooth. Um, It's the same reason why I wear a headset with a wire rather than these very convenient things that you put in your ear and it's actually got a little radio transmitter in the canal of your ear. Mm -hmm. I think think, uh, people who use that regularly are doing an uncontrolled experiment and we'll see how it comes out.
2: Well, talking about uncontrolled experiments, uh, In the manual that my girlfriend had with her hearing aid, it said that it gives off between 3 and 11 uh, megahertz. Now, the FCC states that people should not have uh, more exposure than six minutes from the range of 1 to 10 megahertz. So just even a normal hearing aid is, you know, being worn all day long, and it's in that range at the FCC, so they should not be exposed to more than six minutes. So that kind of blew my circuits.
1: Well, but that's the Bluetooth feature. And that no, feature no, no. can be No, 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 this off. is the regular oh,
2: hearing aid. The regular. Without the Bluetooth
1: that, hearing aid? Yeah, you look it up in the I, manual. That I don't understand. That I don't understand. I, I have been told, and I've seen data on digital hearing aids that are tunable, and as far as I know, avoid that problem.
2: Well, just look at the rating because it was right in the in the manual uh, of the hearing aid saying it is all No, between... no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah.
1: I'm as surprised as you are. I'm as surprised as you yeah. are. I do not I do not understand that, and and I would I would recommend changing to a different hearing aid that doesn't have that issue.
2: Yeah.
1: Doctor Jaffe, just
0: just so we you know we we did uh, tell our listeners that we were going to talk about these five key strategies, yeah. and one strategy I think that. We just we we should touch on before we uh, uh, let you go is is the detoxification because uh, you know we right. we talk about infrared saunas and water and yeah. hydrogen water and so forth maybe you could just touch on that please.
1: Well, it's a good place to begin is hydration. Uh, you want to be hydrated enough that you pass the skin hydration test, which we have online that you can download for free from perque.com or Uh So you want to stay well hydrated. You want to keep your urine sunshine yellow, which means you have enough B-Complex to keep it sunshine yellow. And then we recommend biological detoxification, which means foods that are rich in sulfur, and sulfur can complex with a lot of toxic molecules, including toxic metals, and make them water-soluble and safely remove them from the body. And there's an acronym that goes with this, which I'm going to say a couple of times soon because <laughs> people want to write it down. It's G-G-O-B-E. That stands for garlic, ginger, onions, brassica sprouts, that means broccoli sprouts, and eggs. It turns out those are the five sulfur-rich foods. Those are the things that in in traditional wisdom cultures were known as life-saving detoxifying foods. They are staples in the Greek Mediterranean diet. And by that, I mean a whole bulb of garlic per person roasted. It comes out like custard. Be careful, because when it first comes out of the oven, it will be very hot. Um, Ginger, a thumb-sized piece of ginger per person. This makes them... Uh, As Thomas Jefferson said, make these foods staples of your diet, not condiments. Mm. And if you want to really be nice to your your, uh, digestion, in addition to the GGOBE, which includes the broccoli sprouts and the eggs, and I would recommend, if possible, a non-chicken egg. You can get a, a healthy chicken egg, but you have to go out of your way to do it. Duck eggs, goose eggs, uh, clail eggs are more often available in farmer markets and or whole food type of markets. Um, and, And if you want to have eggs, that's the kind of eggs I would recommend having so that you enhance biological detoxification. You take the burden off your digestion, your liver, your spleen, your heart, your brain, your lungs, your muscles, so you actually help the whole body just by making GGOBE a staple part of your diet, then you want a diet that has enough fiber, prebiotic fiber, 40 to 100 grams a day. You want enough good bugs, that's probiotic live organisms from either fermented foods or supplements like Perk DigestaGuard, 40 to 100 billion bugs a day to keep healthy digestion, and then symbiotic recycled glutamine that is the energy source for the repair of the intestinal lining and many many people have maldigestion dysbiosis enteropathy which is atrophy mm. of the digestive capacity and they mm. don't know it so we we want to get in with nature nurture and wholeness and this is how the biological detox is premised okay so and and a lot of these
0: uh, supplements that you mentioned are on your uh, website at B E R Q U E. Okay. Absolutely.
1: and why and why they are the best value because by design they have safer ingredients in more meaningful amounts and then they have the enhanced uptake that we've pioneered for the last 3 decades and has been the word of mouth secret uh, of the of the whole line. What what is your
0: opinion of MSM? Well, as a MSM supplement.
1: is if most people consider MSM a water-soluble form of DMSO. It is a sulfur source. It's often sold as a detoxifying um, supplement. Um, it, it 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 does usually it does not have very good bioavailability. It tends to form disulfides, which are not detoxifying. Um, and and so I have <clears throat> I haven't personally found an MSM that meets. Um, my preferences and standards. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jerry.
2: Uh, Quick question. In in your uh, five strategies for health, you mentioned, you know, drinking smoothies and, and juices. Mm. Do you recommend uh, using a juicer that gives you the pulp in addition to the juice or just uh, filtering out the pulp and just doing the straight juice?
1: Yes, my preference of juicers today is called Huron, H-U-R-O-M.
2: I have it. It's wonderful.
1: (laughs) It's wonderful, yes, and it's called a macerator, which means it goes at lower speed, but it gets more juice. And then, as I guess you know, the fiber comes out in a way you can capture easily. And if you add currants or raisins or some uh, uh, berries you can make a very nice dessert out of that fiber. So you don't have to throw the fiber away, but there are people who, you know, want to get the concentrated juice that that your rum does deliver.
2: Well, you know, they also have another uh, screen that's a little bit more porous. Absolutely. Yeah, that'll Uh, let more fiber in. Yeah, Yeah, it's a wonderful juicer. And it's easy to clean, too. No, no.
1: I want you to know this is the fourth generation.
2: Yeah, they got it right this time. They got it right this time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and 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 just for our listening audience, Doctor Jaffe, just just reiterate uh, how uh, that they do have choices uh, to stay healthy, and uh, it, it's not all uh, genetic.
1: It's only eight percent genetic. This is a, 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 a it was a surprise to me when I learned it. It's been reconfirmed by NIH consensus. of your lifetime health is epigenetic. It's lifestyle. It's about what you eat and drink, think and do. It's about the choices and habits you have every day. And if your habits could be better, I would suggest improving one small habit at a time, consolidating and take um, pleasure in your accomplishment. Rejoice in your portion is the old metaphor be grateful for each day and have a meaningful moment in each day where you either touch or are touched by someone you really like. And then remember biological detoxification and immunologic tolerance and neurohormonal balance and all the things that we find the evidence supports people of any age being well and happy.
2: Of interest, uh, I I had a nice discussion with someone who was saying that the DNA can actually be modified and uh, the Russians apparently have done a lot of research in this area. Uh, and not, just but-
1: the, not just the Russians, not just the Russians, the Broad mm-hmm. Institute here, the Whitehead Institute here, and many, many others. It's very clear that the epigenetic influences on the genome have been um, overlooked by people who had a mechanistic misunderstanding if you believe the DNA is a blueprint that doesn't change over your lifetime, you're, you're in, in the company of many who misunderstand how dynamic and changeable is the DNA. So your DNA at age 10 and 30 and 50 and 70 have been influenced by the lifestyle choices you make, unfortunately for most people for the worse, but for some for the better.
2: So the unfortunate uh, set of circumstances when someone goes in and gets a test for their DNA and they said, oh, you have the BRCA gene or whatever aberrant gene, and they recommend, you know, surgical removal of certain organs, um, that kind of like really scares the living pants off me, to be honest with you.
1: Well, I can understand. And here I'm going to quote. Uh, Eric Lander, uh, he ran the Broad Institute, Then he was asked, asked by the president to head the Office of Science and Technology Policy. He's a geneticist, and he says, don't do that. He says, don't do that. He says, first of all, if you only measure certain specific SNPs or certain specific locations, You miss the tapestry. You miss how many hundreds of different genes influence each other to add up to what goes on inside of you. For example, with regard to blood pressure, there have been at least 10,000 genes identified with either uh, normal or elevated blood pressure. And that's just one situation. And Eric goes on to point out that diabetes is the best studied condition genetically. You have an 8% chance in America of becoming diabetic. It's actually going up, as you know, and you shouldn't because diabetes is a choice. But he points out that if you do the entire DNA, which costs many thousands of dollars, and you do the RNA, which turns out to be as important or more important than the DNA, you can modify your guidance by 10%. And so his punchline, his conclusion is, if you have 7.2% chance, 8% chance, or 8.8% chance of having diabetes, how is that going to influence your behavior? Is that enough to, to change your behavior? People misunderstand what the DNA tests of the moment are. They do give you some broad information about your ethnic background, but in Eric Lander's opinion, and I agree with him, Almost no useful information clinically, whereas what we're talking about, the epigenetics is actually where the action is. It's where the need and opportunity is. And so if I have a choice, I urge people to follow the epigenetics, which is ninety two percent of their lifetime health, and not not get too in a lather or even you know spend too much time and effort um, doing a partial test of DNA, because I can assure you that Barbara McClintock got the Nobel Prize. For proving that genes jump around under the influence of the environment. And there was a long time when she was doing her work where people ignored her, and then the Nobel committee said, well, you're not so dumb. And she wasn't. <laughs> so genes do jump around. They do rearrange under epigenetic influence, and that's
2: just life. Well, thank you so much for clarifying that, because uh, there's so much disinformation, as we all know. And the well, very... there
1: was one company who, who I will call out because they were a fraud from the beginning. It was a company called Theranos. Was, they, they apparently uh, intentionally deceived, and, 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 uh, however, they marketed very uh, extensively, aggressively, and successfully. There are other companies that are trying to be more responsible. I think that 23andMe will only give you information about your ethnic origins. And that there seems to be some information about. But if you really want to know about living well and long, it's about lifestyle, what you eat, drink, think, do. It's about what we've just been talking about. It's about the epigenetics. Because there's only so much you can blame mom and dad for, and that's 8%.
2: (laughs) Oh geez, I wanted to go a little higher. Darn it. <laughs> yeah, I have a Jewish mother and a Jewish father. I understand. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and they have a son that's a doctor, so we're good. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Doctor Jaffe, this is really big. <laughs> but, as,
1: but as my mother used to say to her friends, "But has he won any awards lately?" <laughs> anyway, that sounds uh, like you, Jerry. For today, that. Yeah. Anything else for today that, that would, you know, will help your listeners or, or, or help you, gentlemen?
0: Well, let me, no, we I... have a, a, we have a physician just sign on here. Let me just ask him and Dr. Jerry, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, sure. I like, take care of uh, Dr. Dan. You, did you have something for Dr. Jaffe?
2: Yeah, basically uh, you're one of the first people that I've heard be outspoken about the, uh, the genome project. And I, I really appreciate your honesty. Uh, and I think this is what our patient basis is really needs to hear is more honesty in medicine and, and less of the fluff.
1: Well, thank you. Um, I had the honor and privilege of meeting Jimmy Watson, who's considered the father of the Human Genome Project. And I asked him, why, why do genomics, to the exclusion of epigenetics or epigenomics, And he said, well, because genetics was so easy to explain that even congressmen could understand it. That was his quote. (laughs) Whereas epigenetics epigenetics is subtle and complicated, and we couldn't explain that. (laughs) Well, Well put. And I will fast forward. I will fast forward to a meeting that was held at the Center for Disease Control, the CDC in Atlanta, just a couple of years ago. And the question was, where does the human genome project go? And the answer is it stops. And the emphasis is will we'll now be on epigenetics and lifestyle. Wow.
0: wow. Uh, that's such an important message for everybody to, 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 to it understand that, that you have a choice. You know, we, we talk, Dr. Jeff, we talk about being the CEO of your body. Uh, you have to mm-hmm. take control. Good phrase. Good and, uh, Right, and, and and this is, this, this is what you have to listen to, like Dr. Jaffe. But you also have to listen, you,
1: you also have to, listen to your body. So you, you, you're the CEO of your body, which I agree with, but you're in a dynamic relationship because you have a central nervous system and a gut nervous system, and they're in communion. They're in constant conversation through what's called the vagus nerve, which we finally discovered is bidirectional. Wisdom traditions knew that for centuries, and literally in the last few years it was proven um, in Western science
0: absolutely and uh, you know we 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 have talked about even they've uh sec- sectioned and cut the vagus nerve and, and they couldn't they could not cause parkinson's in in, in anybody uh mm-hmm. so you know it it definitely is, is a communication let me just uh, see if dr dan has any questions dr dan do you have a, sure. a question uh, on this subject
3: good morning everybody and then dr Jeff. um could i go back to aspirin if you don't mind absolutely is there any good use for acetylsalicylic acid besides every doctor that I go to says, take the baby aspirin, take the 81 milligrams a day, take it? 80,
1: 87 milligrams, if I remember correctly, but you're right. Okay. The catechism, the catechism that Bob Mendelssohn correctly identified in the late 1970s around two or three issues in medicine, one of which was aspirin. Now, remember that aspirin came at the turn of the century. It was one of the first magic bullets. You started with cold tar, which was a big mess, and you acetylated it, and you made this stuff that caused headaches to go away. It was a miracle. So right. aspirin became part of the pharmacopoeia, and the science was way behind And it remains way behind. The evidence, however, is clear. If you take aspirin, you increase the risk of blood loss from the gut. You suppress repair temporarily, and that's not a good thing. And in people who have livers or spleens, hearts or lungs that are at risk, you're increasing the risk in the illusion that hypercoagulation is a problem which is only true for a very small fraction of people. And I was a coagulationist before I became an immunologist. I'm very confident that if before anyone should take an aspirin, you should first prove that you're hypercoagulable. And if you're hypercoagulable, we'll get you out of that state with a combination of what we've just been talking about. Mm -hmm. So only the people who are hypercoagulable get any benefit from aspirin. And then you ask, why is it that we recommend everybody take a baby aspirin and not be tested for hypercoagulability or hyperblood clotability? And the answer is, well, it's expensive and, and, and time-consuming to test people, so why not just give everybody a baby aspirin? And John Vane, a very elegant presenter with an Oxford degree and accent, uh, working with uh, the marketing department of Bayer, um, made it gospel starting in the late 70s, when people like Dan Dakin, who was my mentor in coagulation, would never take an aspirin. Mm.
2: Dr. Dan, I mean, I ran across six studies, you know, showing, revealing the ineffectiveness of aspirin. Uh, You know, one of the best uses though, it's a great uh, birth control pill if you just keep (laughs) it between your knees. (laughs) Between your knees, right. Right. Every time I go
3: to the physician, he says, are you taking the baby aspirin? And I say, no. And he says, why not? I said, I'm not taking. It.
2: Good for you. I said,
3: because Good. Of, Good. And I mentioned the program and so forth and so on, you know. Good. And this is, this is where we stand at this point. Oh, it
1: is. It takes, it takes decades to go from evidence to the clinic. And when information was doubling every 40 years, that wasn't such a problem. But now that information is doubling in less than four years, by the time people are out of training, they're already out of date, unless they are so curious that they go out and keep themselves current by being cross-trained and by going to integrative, comprehensive um, continuing education uh, meetings or do that online. But it's harder and harder for young students uh, of medicine Uh, at any level to do that because they got loans to repay. Someone is giving them a paycheck with very little opportunity for continuing education on the basis that you're just going to check a box called standard of care.
3: Right. Right. You also mentioned the NSAIDs drugs. They can have that same kind of effect.
1: The, the The NSAIDs have their own reason. The NSAIDs either harm your kidney or your liver or your gut or all three. Most of them now have what's called a black box warning. And I will tell you quickly that there was a meeting at the FDA about all of the toxicity of NSAIDs that have been accumulating in evidence over decades. And they had 31 people in the room, 15 voted to uh, basically withdraw the NSAIDs, say they are too toxic to be on the shelf anymore. Fifteen voted that way. Sixteen voted to keep them on with a black box warning. And then it turned out that 10 of the 16 had undisclosed financial conflicts that should have kept them out of the room. Wow. So NSAIDs are not safer. NSAIDs are not really evidence-based. They came into vogue when we knew too little about them. And now that we know enough about them, the answer is take none a day.
3: hmm
0: there you go, ladies and gentlemen. We've been talking about this for years. Now you heard an, an expert uh, tell you the same thing. Uh, we've been warning people about fluoroquinolones, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that they can cause uh, aneurysm. Two years ago, we brought that to our audience. Uh, we brought that to our audience that Ativan mm-hmm. can cause aneurysms. And mm-hmm. slowly but surely, the, uh, the, the, the word is getting out, but it's not fast enough, as you, as you know.
2: You see, Dr. Ron, I have to tell you, my grandmother always said free is free advice is worth what you pay for. That's why people don't follow it.
0: <laughs> We're going to have to start, start charging a dollar a program. That's there right, Jappy. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, You're most it's welcome. always a pleasure. And I, wanna, and I want to and I want to make sure you, 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 you thank Justin. He's, he's a gem. Uh, he's easy to get along with and he responds appropriately and quickly. So uh, thank you for today, and, and ladies and gentlemen, we have been speaking with Dr. Russell Jaffe. And if you don't remember his the different websites uh, like Perk and Alyssa J A F F E, Dr. Russell Jaffe, it'll get you to those sites. Take a look at the predictive biomarkers. Take download his uh, uh, free book uh, on the five stra- uh, strategies. Uh, five key strategies to help your patients and your practice, but it's there. For not, so it's an easy read. It's, it, you'll understand it. And uh, I, you know, if uh, I, I just can't wait till we have him back again. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge and uh, we always learn something. So Dr. Jaffe, thank okay. you so much.
1: You're most welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. And uh, next time I'll tell you the story about my mother being a jazz musician and trading her Selmer saxophone for me.
0: <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, I can't let you go now because I have to tell you about a uh, a, a fellow was driving in in Arizona and he picked up a uh, an Indian, and uh, uh, and, he, and he had a bag on the seat and they, finally the Indian said, "What's in that bag?" And uh, the fellow said, it's, "It's a bottle of wine for my wife," and the Indian said, "Good trade." <laughs>
1: well in the in the spirit of leaving folks laughing this is very good
0: all right thank you again we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch and we'll, we'll, we'll do schedule this another time.
1: we'll schedule some yeah. some topic of interest okay thank you thank you so <laughs>
0: You know, you always learn something, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, it's really great. And he just, uh, he knows everybody, doesn't he, Jerry? Wow.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, he knows the right people. And I'm so happy that he mentioned about the genome. And it, its uh. I think one of the biggest scams out there in medicine today, uh, you know, the tests are not cheap. And then they, they subject it. Because we had a friend years ago, she went and had, you know, organs removed based on that darn test and I, you know, I try to yeah. talk to her, but you know, what can I tell you? It's, there's no medicine for dumbness, as they say.
0: <laughs> no, but you know what? They, they're put in a position, uh, uh, of fear and that's right. They, you know, they, if you don't have this breast remover, you don't have your ovaries out, you're going to die and your family needs you. And they same thing they're doing now with vaccines and the flu right. vaccine. And, uh, uh, it's all fear mongering. And, uh, so uh, it's good to hear an honest uh, expert opinion.
2: Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I learned a lot today, and I really appreciated uh, his from um, the heart comments, and and I, and I think our listeners appreciate the fact that there's no other channel out there that's giving them an honest overview of the state of medicine.
0: Yeah, there, there isn't, and 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 you notice no no one is 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 criticizing the advances we made but they're critically looking at them th- and and trying to have some transparency sure. and there are times when you can work with both you know like like Dr. teitelbaum said you know you, you or and even even Ralph Moss sometimes you need both but a lot of times uh, if you know what health is and you listen to your body uh, you may not get into that state of disease so uh, one thing that we you know we Don't talk enough about, but he did mention uh, part of it today, is uh, what you think. What you think is important. Think, eat, and do. Really important for your health.
2: Well, with that little, Pearl, yeah, I think we should try to get Bruce Lipton uh, on, if possible, because he's, uh, I think, the godfather of epigenetics. Uh, He was talking about stem cells back in the 60s when no one knew what the heck they even were.
0: And he was talking about altering DNA before anybody even thought about that. And he has a PhD in biology and people can't forget that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's a cellular biologist. So, I mean, I think we're headed in the right direction. I think our audience really appreciates the information that we're, you know, bringing to them. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. It's knowing to make better informed choices.
0: Absolutely. So let's reach out to, to Dr. Lipton again, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see what that is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Dr. Jerry, Dr. Ron, uh, on uh, Dr. Ron Unfiltered Uncensored. We had our special guest today, Dr. Russell Jaffe. Uh, this program can be heard again here on Block Talk Radio 24-7. It's on iTunes podcast. You can ask your A-L-E-X-A. I have one here, so I can't say it, uh, to, to bring up the Dr. Ron Unfiltered Uncensored. There are also some of these programs listed on Dr. Jerry's website, which is icnr.com. And uh we have a Facebook page, we have uh, uh you know, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio will soon be listed on Himalayan Podcast, which is a, a, a it's an app for your phone, and it has almost every podcast out there and uh, we just applied there. We'll hear probably hear tomorrow. So, you know, uh, you can listen to these shows at any time. So, Dr. Jerry,
3: yes,
0: thank sir. you. Dr. Dan, thank you. You're welcome. And we will uh, see you uh, live in a couple of weeks. This coming uh, Tuesday will be Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. Uh, topic is diabetes and fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia are optional. Okay. Sounds like
2: an Italian show. title there. It t- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mamma mia! Yeah. yeah. Sochiagna. <laughs> uh,
2: <such
0: angina. laughs> the focaccia brand fibromyalgia. Yet. It's a new, new treatment.
3: That's right. All right,
0: everybody, have a All great you. day. This is a little Thank different for uh, your hosts. Uh, we're not used to doing this program during the day. I can't believe it's still light out. So, and I can't believe I can't have my normal post uh, live. Show libation. So we're going to go to <laughs> LA Fitness instead. All right. See everybody. Have a great day. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.